You've heard it, we've all heard it, words matter. What we don't hear is that words matter because they are matter. This insight, along with others we cover on this show, gives you a superpower, the ability to harness the power of words to revolutionize workplaces and the world. The power to create cultures where productivity soars, profits rise, and people feel included and inspired. As with all superpowers, you have to learn how to manage it. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's about getting intentional with your communication eyes, your inputs, AKA words and language to get the O's, the outcomes, AKA the results, the impact that you want. Join me, your host, Erica Mills Barnhart and my amazing guests as we explore the wild and wonderful world of Communicate I.O. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Communicate I.O., the new name for the formerly known Marketing for Good podcast, where we are all about teaching leaders how to communicate with clarity and confidence so you can get the desired outcomes you want. With Communicate I.O., we are focused on which inputs, the eyes, the words, the language, the emojis, the (laughs) exclamation points, whatever the case is going to be, right? What are the inputs that can produce a desired outcome? And outcomes come in all shapes and sizes. You know that, right? Maybe that's sales targets or fundraising goals or developing a new product or service or creating cultures where people feel included and inspired, right? Outcomes can be both tangible and intangible. Um, So one of the important things about Communicate I.O., which is a bit of a mind shift for some, is you want to start with the outcomes. And again, both tangible and intangible. Yes, yes, I am foreshadowing here um, to the rest of this episode and the mistake. (laughs) Okay, you want to start there. And then you're going to reverse engineer into those inputs. And I say this is a mind shift because you are so busy as a leader, as a human Right. That oftentimes we just sit down. We're like, okay, I'm getting it out. You know, like we're we're in the habit of thinking about the output. Yeah. Um, But not necessarily consistently the outcome to the extent that it behooves us, especially as leaders. Okay, Um, that is part of your job when you hold positional authority or you have that title. Yes. With communication, there are always two things going on. Right. There's what is center said the message, but then there's how the message is received. Your goal is to get as much alignment between those two things as possible. This means intentionally asking, how will the person or people on the other end of my communication best receive my message? Now you've likely heard of asking this question, what do I want someone to know, feel, and do? I want someone to know, feel, and do. It's generally in that order. And maybe you're somebody who is consistent about this practice of first figuring that out, of really starting with the desired outcome of your communication. If so, hats off to you. That's pretty rare. And partially, again, by a function of how many things you need to get through in a day, right? So, but here's, here's the mistake, okay? And it's a biggie, which is we prioritize what we want people to know and do And we don't spend sufficient time figuring out how they need to feel for their brains, their heads, and their hearts to be open to receiving your message about the knowing and the doing. 
Okay. In our society, we are very focused on productivity, um, about getting those results, about getting them as fast as possible, all those things. And feelings are intangible. I mean, sure, they they take on physicality at times, but um, we kind of demote them, which for reasons that we will cover here in a minute, it's not strategic. It's really, it's not strategic. Now, before I go any further, I want you to hearken back to the last communication or recent communication you sent or said. And, you know, maybe it was an email or a Slack or Teams message. Maybe it was an update at a team meeting. Think of something sort of daily, right, that you that you do on the daily, not high stakes. And the reason I say that is because uh, if you're going to give like a big presentation, you generally will put in the effort, like you'll bring that intentionality at least to, to what you want people to know, feel, and do, there is this nuance of there's a difference between how we want people to feel. We can't control like how anybody feels, right? Um, we can only control our, our own feelings. But that want, and that's different than how, how do I need people to feel in order to receive my message? And at a minimum, to up the odds that the message is received, we need them to feel safe and secure and calm and a bunch of things that given what we're coming off of do not come easily. So we're going to, we're going to get to that. Now with your example, what process did you go through to get from, I need to communicate X thing to Y person or people to crossing it off your to-do list. Like I said, oftentimes, and again, this is just an efficiency play. We go from, I need to do this thing to writing and saying the thing, boom, crossed off to do this. High five me. I'm moving on to the next thing, right? Which is all well and good, except it's possible that there are some very unintended consequences that create a ripple effect that leads to chaos, confusion, lost labor. Um, and that's expensive. Chaos is costly. Chaos is costly. So here's the mistake, just to state it very clearly. Leaders skip over or don't put on equal footing with what you want someone to know and do. They don't put the feelings that need to be there um, on equal footing. Okay. This is a critical mistake. Now, you know, it's an addressable mistake. So that's great. Um, I just want to like, if any of you, you tend to be fairly intellectual as listeners, right? You're super smart. You're logical. And you're like, oh my gosh, she's going to talk about feelings. I am going to talk about feelings and we're going to talk about mom. We're going to talk about the feels. <laughs> and you can be like, oh, feelings is a waste of time, right? Plus guess squishy and woo woo and no, thank you. I get it. I totally get it. I've been there before, but when you actually look at the data with your mind, you know, with your brain, it really makes the case for shifting and prioritizing this idea of what does someone need to feel in order to receive the message. Okay. Cause here's a fun, I'm air quoting that because it's not fun fact. Organizations are losing on average $12,506. Let me say that again, $12,506 per person per year because of poor, chaotic, confusing communication. Okay. This is addressable. And uh, there's a lot of reasons for that, but importantly, and for the purpose of, of this episode, I think a big piece of this is that is the inadvertent negative consequences of not taking the time to do this. What do people need to feel now by making this shift, you go from possibly confusion and chaos to communicating with clarity and confidence and compassion. This saves you money while making your people feel better, right? It boosts your bottom line and morale all at the same time. So that's a win-win. I think. 
seems that way, no? So Maya Angelou said, I've learned that people will forget what you said. They will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel, right? And we know this intuitively. We've all had experiences, right? I'm sure we can uh, think about any number of experiences in our past and we can't remember the specifics of it, but we surely remember how we felt, right? So there, there's definitely something to this. Our feelings are powerful, right? And so neuroscientist Antonio Damasio puts it this way. We are thinking machines who feel, uh, sorry, backtrack. We are not thinking machines who feel, rather, we are feeling machines who think. He's a neuroscientist. Why would he say that? Why wouldn't he be on board with we were thinking machines who like on occasionally feel? No, he's not. And here's the deal, okay? We are actually blissfully unaware of most of what is happening to us and around us. It's blissful. The human body, unbeknownst to us most of the time, is sending 11 million bits of information per second to the brain for processing, right? This is like information we get through our senses, okay? It's a lot of info that is going into uh, the brain, yet the conscious mind seems to only be able to process about 50 bits, 5-0 versus 11 million. A lot of information is just lost. You know, it, it's lost. And our and then there are emotional reactions. They, th- those occur automatically and unconsciously. So a lot of this is getting absorbed of those a million bits in our subconscious, but we're not consciously aware of that. There's a stimulus and our nervous systems are like, I know what to do. I'm here for you. They kick into ca- high gear. They're sending out messages. Chemicals are released. All sorts of things are happening. Yeah. Sometime after we're like, oh, I'm feeling a feel, right? And because we're human, we think that, that, that there's, you know, there, there isn't a space between the stimulus um, and, and this reaction. Um, you know, Viktor Frankl uh, famously spoke to like, you can't, if you become aware of this, you can honor that space and, and really um, go from reaction to response. But uh, most of us are like, I'm feeling the feel. So, and especially, <laughs> especially we notice these feels in Western culture when they're like what we have deemed bad feelings, you know, anger, sadness, you know, mad, whatnot. Then we, we try to do this really cute thing, which is we try to stuff them away as if they're not happening, which of course we, we can't do. It doesn't work. (laughs) What we resist persists as the saying goes. Yeah. And so we're kind of a hot mess with all of this. (laughs) Um, but here's some good news. Some good news with some caveats. Our thoughts are mega powerful. Some would say all powerful. I'm not like willing to go there, but um, for a variety of reasons that we'll go into in future episodes, but they're so powerful, right? Like once you notice a feeling, if you can get a little distance from it, right? Like notice that, 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 that space between, you can get a handle on it. You can regulate your reaction, your response, your thoughts, your feelings. You can create an entirely different pattern. Okay, a, a neuromuscular pattern. This is called thought work or the thought model. And we're going to talk a lot about it in future episodes because it is super dope and helpful and powerful. It has changed a lot of things in my life for the better um, and for many, many, many other people. And I want that for you if you're not already familiar with it. Uh, I'm sure many of you are. It is a powerful leadership tool and a powerful life tool for that matter. For this episode, um, here's what I want to point out. And this is sort of the buzzkill uh, transition from like, it's so flipping cool that when you get, you know, on top of your thoughts, you can change how you feel. And you can also reverse engineer it, by the way. You can say, how do I want to feel? What thoughts do I need to have in order to feel that way? So again, it's very cool. It's very powerful. For, for this episode, 
Buzzkill. Um, the thought work gets tougher the more stressed we are. And we're coming off COVID. You know, we are all stressed in that way. And then if you're a leader and you're communicating with your staff, employees, you know, your team, your, your messages are amplified and they create more stress because you hold power. Okay. Our brains are just, they're, they're like so sweet. They're just constantly trying to keep us safe. <laughs> um, and as a result, they do all sorts of really kind of odd things. They're, they're always on high alert. So we are feeling this like low key sense of danger. And you add to that power dynamics that is heightened. Okay. And what we want, right. What we need, if we want our messages to land is for people's to feel calm, right? For them to feel safe. And what that does is it opens up the prefrontal cortex, that executive function, and allows the message to land and for them to like do the thing, know the thing, and then do the thing, have a conversation, whatever. And, and it's efficient. Actually, it's quite efficient. Um, when you're feeling in danger, that's not available. The prefrontal cortex is like, I'm out. I'm passing the baton to you, reptilian part of the brain. And the reptilian part of the brain only has four options, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. I hadn't heard of fawn before. It means play dead. I think it totally, if there hadn't been fight, flight, and freeze the Fs, I think it would have been called playing possum, which is basically what it is. Um, but those options are not great. You do not, like, if that's how somebody feels, they, they are not receiving your message, right? They are internally focused. They, like, they are just trying to survive. They are trying to survive. You've experienced this. I've experienced this. We've all experienced this, right? Because we're human. We are not our most evolved selves in these moments. Okay, again, this is this has always been the case, but we are coming off an unprecedented global pandemic. I know we're all tired of saying that. We're all tired of hearing it, and yet it's true. So, what has that, that has left us with? Like, in our nervous systems, or they're just fried, and our default now is to be on high alert. I mean, like going to the grocery store used to be a perfectly safe activity. Didn't be, you know, I wasn't like, oh no, I have to go grocery shopping. I mean, I don't love grocery shopping, by the way. It's not my favorite activity, um, but I didn't feel like fear about it. Now, I mean, literally you go in and you pick up a kumquat and then you put the kumquat down because you don't really want the kumquat. And then, you know, you're like, oh my God, I just touched the kumquat. Do I put on hand sanitizer now? Like what is so new for me? touch the kumquat and they have COVID and oh my God, I'm probably going to die. Like our brains very quickly (laughs) go there. We're coming out, we're feeling safer, right? Like that was a bit from like 11 months ago or whatever, a year ago. Uh, And those neural pathways are now there, right? So we're just elevated um, in that way. So as a leader, as a leader who is trying to communicate, you need to get messages across. You want to get messages across. I mean, no, communication is about connection. It's about community. It's about a whole sort of beautiful things, right? And producing together and individually desired outcomes. So communication is awesome. I mean, I'm biased, of course, but uh, you have an uphill battle, Uh, especially as a leader. Again, your voice is amplified. That Ugh, angst and fear is amplified when people are on the receiving end of your communications if they were subordinate to you. We have the COVID and then we have the great resignation. I mean, just because less layered on thick. Yeah. Um, even if people are leaving for great reasons, dream jobs, I'm going to start my own you know, business. I don't know. I've always loved candles. Now I'm going to go be a candle maker, whatever the thing is. For the folks who are still there in the organization, even if they know that consciously, there is, they're still left with this reptilian part of their brain that is like, mm-hmm, right. Well, now we're not safe because our tribe has disappeared. Yep. 
Um, just layering it, layering it. Okay. So, um, people's brains aren't calm. You can't, we just can't assume that as our starting place. We actually have to assume that what we need people to feel is not entirely calm too high a bar, but calm enough, safe enough, right? Safe enough to receive the message. Okay. Let me give you an example. Um, because I do actually, I do actually do the things that I talk about on the podcast. Now I don't do it with every single missive that I send to be clear. I don't pause every single time and think, how do I need that person to feel, you know, especially for for better or for worse, not my personal life, right? Like I shot off texts all the time. Um, but when it matters and in particular, in particular prioritize when you know, you hold positional authority and, or when you know, you're dealing with a team that's deflated, right? For whatever the reasons, um, then that, then this, like starting with what are the desired outcomes? What do the inputs need to be? And one of those desired outcomes, right? Really being about an intangible with it, which is the feelings. Okay. So I am a professor at the university of Washington, go dogs. So, um, I teach a course called capstone. This is a two quarter course. So it's, it's lots of credits. Um, and all second year students getting their master in public administration have to complete this to graduate. And they do a project for a client. So this isn't like a hypothetical exercise. It's, you know, it's applied. So the stakes are high. Uh, I am their professor. I am going to give them a grade. <laughs> I hold positional authority, right? I have power in this situation. So when I communicate with them, I'm, I'm really mindful of this because it's so, so what do I know? I know their, their brains are going to want to protect them, right? They're going to be in high alert because I have power. Um, and that's just the, the, the deal. So that's always on my mind. So when I'm going to communicate, um, and I, I do this pretty consistently but, but because of that power dynamic, when I communicate with students, if any of my students are listening, this is true. <laughs> I don't always nail it. Mm, no, I have gotten wrong very, very, very many times. But I, I do genuinely start with like, okay, baseline, especially their graduate students. They are very stressed. Yes. Um, they have gone through their graduate uh, experience through COVID, right? So that, so again, to these layers and these layers and these layers. So um, I start with, okay, what do I, I need at a minimum? I need at a minimum for them to feel what? Calm, safe, yeah? Um, what out, So then what are the inputs that can get me there so that they can hear whatever the message is, you know? So recently um, I had, I changed something that was on the syllabus. Um, and it was, and it was a, sort of a big deal thing ish. It, they were supposed to give final presentations in a couple of weeks, but they had given these stu student groups, they work in groups, had given presentations a couple of weeks ago. They were really good. They were in great shape, right? And then I've seen the work that they're doing. And I was just like, you know what? Their time is so precious. They're going to be in the home stretch in a couple of weeks. Why not liberate that time? Um, you know, let them use it for something else. So I needed them to feel calm and safe. Yes. I wanted them to feel relieved, but again, you know, we can't control how anyone's going to feel about anything. Uh, but that was a hope that I had, right? And so I factored all that in into my inputs, into how I wrote what ended up being an email to announce this update. Now, if I hadn't done that, if it was just like a status update, I could have just said, uh, final presentations are canceled, right? They've, you know, in theory, I've communicated with them. But I would have been unconvinced that that message would have been received without possible negative consequences of them wondering, like, why? Right? Why? And our brains, uh, you know, it's called negativity bias. This is to protect us. Our, again, our brains are so sweet. Um, 
it's to protect us. But if I don't share why, like the rationale behind, they might not, in this case, the students might not feel safe enough to like hear it. And then they're spending their time wondering why this has happened. Why is there this change? It's so late in the game when really the reason was, and so this is what I started with. Your presentations were so good. You're in great shape. I don't think it's the best use of your time. Therefore, we're going to cancel those final presentations. Okay. The, just This is a small nuance. And then how I close things, I'm very attentive to how I open and how I close, trying to be um, consistent. So if you're somebody, you're a leader who has a consistent way of opening, like, hey, or howdy, or hello, or whatever it is, being consistent matters in these moments. And I always close with, with the same offer, which is like, I'm here to serve and support you, you know, holler if I can be of service. Now, do I know for certain that 100% of students were like, oh my God, yay, you know, huge sigh of relief. I don't, I do know from some that they were like, yippee skippy, um, you know, thank you for that decision. It's one less thing off a very long to-do list for them. I don't know that it was 100%, but I do know that I did what I, I, I put the inputs in, in a way that I felt up the odds as much as possible to get that desired outcome of at a minimum them feeling safe and secure and hopefully relieved. You know, I really didn't want that for them. They worked so hard. I wanted like to create a little bit of spaciousness, but that's, and that's sort of like extra credit. Um, oftentimes it's like, how do we want people to feel? So um, that's my example, recent example. And again, you know, notice it's not a, it's not a, it's not like a high stakes example. Um, it's sort of a, a mundane example. And if I was inattentive over the course of a course, you know, a quarter, a year, those little things really do add up. There, there is a, a law around the litany of little things and they add up for better or for worse. So it's worth being attentive, especially again, when you know that you hold positional authority, when your voice is going to be amplified and or when you have a team that's for whatever reason, just in a place where that negativity bias is gonna be fierce. Um, it only takes an extra kind of minute and um, you're savvy communicators, right? We can, we can always all improve. I certainly am always learning, um, but you will naturally, this is what I found with working in you know, online coaching um, leaders is like, once you start there, you, you really naturally know how to adjust your inputs. And we can talk more about that, right? And, um, and sort of straighten, strengthen that habit in your writing or in your speaking. Um, it's, it's a skill builder. Uh, but you, just by just by pausing and like putting again, putting that no feel do, reordering it. What do I need them to feel in order to be open to what I want them to know and do? So a little bit of resequencing, right? You avoid this mistake, um, and and again, trust trust yourself. You know how to do this, and you will do you will readjust um, those inputs quite naturally. Um, okay, so do you still have your example in mind? I hope so. That was a lot. It's just like, take a breath. There's a lot, a lot about brains and stuff and feelings, which is sort of funny because some of you will be like, oh, I don't want to talk about the feelings, but the brain stuff is cool. Mm -hmm. And they're all related, right? It's actually, it's all the same thing. I hope you noticed that. So with your example, um, how might you apply this reordering, this idea of the needing them to feel in order to do what you want them to know and do? That was a, that, I, that was terribly phrased, but you know, hopefully by now you know what I'm talking about because um, I've said it about a gazillion times in this episode. Yes. How do they need to feel? Start there. Like, and if you already did that, I just want to say super big high five to you. If you didn't, and this isn't a habit for you, this isn't about good or bad. It's not about you being like, oh God, I've blown it. Totally no. If this is about curiosity, 
Um, it's about learning. It's about growing. It's about expanding. It's about modeling something for your team. That's huge. Um, just, just modeling it for, for your team. Okay. So learning, evolving, it's about communicating as a leader by learning and using and playing with Communicate.io. Okay. Thank you for listening. Thank you for leading. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope you have a fabulously terrific day. If you enjoyed this episode of the Communicate IO podcast, you know what to do next. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Leading can be hard. Communication doesn't need to be. If you're interested in having your organization or team learn how to communicate IO, I would love to hear from you. Get in touch at info at klaxoncommunication.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for being a leader who is making our workplaces and our world better places to be.